in First uh, Peter. Uh, loved Rick's message last week. Uh, if you want this week, how did you do resting this week? <laughs> I hear some chuckles. Uh, I'm with you, but it was it was uh, it was great. Fully resting, right? Not half resting, not almost sitting down, but reclined in the Lord. Did you find yourself in turmoil? Real and imagined, present in the moment, things that were actually going on, and potential turmoil, right? We get caught a lot on potential turmoil. When's it coming? Can I avoid it? How do I get out of it? I did. Sometimes, at least once that I distinctly recall, I remembered to rest my hope fully on the grace to be given me when Christ is revealed. I took the thing in the moment that was consuming me that I hoped would be resolved in a particular way and I and and I just I compared it to the grace that was going to be given to me that will be given to me when Christ was revealed and guess what it wasn't that big a deal anymore it wasn't that big a deal anymore <clears throat> And I was able to give it to God and leave it alone. I was able to walk away from it. Then I went through a mental list of the things that I hoped for, right? And I gave those to him as well. And I thanked him for the grace to be given me when Christ is revealed. And the noise in my mind and the turmoil in my body, you know that feeling of turmoil in your body? It's kind of like electric, but it's not good electric. It's not like, oh, I really want to work out. It's like, you know, too much caffeine. It's just, it's not a good feeling. And that dissipated. And that's not because I'm great. This is once that I can remember that I did it after being really impressed by the message. But I'm encouraging you in the turmoil, when, when there's something that you are hoping for, put it in the balance against the hope that you are fully to rest in, the grace that Christ will give to you when he's revealed. So I'm grateful for that message from last week for Rick, and I'm grateful to go deeper into it. I gave him a running start into the things he was going to share. He's done the same for me. We always seem to go back a little bit into uh, into the scriptures that the other did. And when we open chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'll give you time to turn there if you're not there yet. When we open chapter 2 in verse 1, we find Peter directing us to lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Now, I want to go back and I want to reread 1 Peter uh, 22 through 25, as well as chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to, and please don't freak out, I'm not trying to subtract from the Word of God, I'm going to leave verse 23 out for a second of chapter 1. Right, because it's it's a pause 
in the midst of something that he's saying. And we'll get back to it. Don't worry. We're, we're going to come back to it. But if you read it like that, 1 Peter 1, starting in 22, skipping 23, and then reading through chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love to your heart, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. We have multiple sin lists throughout the Bible, right? We've got ones that are really long, and we've got some that are really short. We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five things here that are specifically mentioned. Um, And what I noticed about these five actions is they all get in the way of loving one another fervently as it describes in verse 22 of chapter 1. They're often quiet destroyers of interpersonal relationships. They're not as explosive as murder or adultery, right? They're not as apparent as drunkenness, but they're just as corrosive. They're just as corrosive to the direction that we're being given to love one another fervently, to love one another earnestly. And they're the type of things that we tend to put up with in our heart. That's just the the malice. Well, I don't really hate them. I just kind of don't like them. I'm not really against them. I only talk about them in my head, sometimes to people that I'm close to, but I don't talk about them to everybody. And we, we allow these things, and we put up with them in our heart, and they don't necessarily manifest outwardly, But God calls us to love fervently, to love deeply from the heart, from a heart that's pure, that's undivided, not with these things hidden in it. Malice is evil, wickedness, depravity, and wishing that on others. Deceit is trickery. I sometimes with people. Hypocrisy, pretending to be one thing but being another. How can you love someone deeply? right? When you're not who you are, when you're not really who you are. Envy, horrible. Wanting what others have, comparing yourself to them. How can you love them deeply when those are the things that are going on? Evil speaking or slander. Again, well, it's only in my head. Well, it's in your heart too. And these are the things that get in the way of deep, deep love for one another. Lay these things aside. Put them away. All vestiges of them. They're barriers to that fervent love for one another. And then in this section, we have another barrier between us and earnest love for one another. And it's a focus on the flesh and the glory of man. He says, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. And we get, we get focused on, um, so if flesh is grass, it withers and it comes to naught, right? We think all flesh is grass. You look at the grass, it grows up. Some grass stays longer than others, but at the end of the day, it's going to wither. 
winter time comes and it's either going to die off completely or just the top is going to, and then some will grow back up. It withers and it comes to naught. So all flesh, everybody around us is going to wither. And the thing we focus on even more, we get caught up in one another's personalities and idiosyncrasies. And it gets in the way of the spiritual truth of who your brothers and sisters are and what we, what we are tuned in to focus on is glory. We look at others, what's their glory? How good are they? We put a price on them in our mind, right? And we do it even more so to ourselves. We're focused on our own glory. If you look at the grass and if a flower sprouts on it, what's the first thing to go? What lasts the least amount of time? The flower. And we're so attuned to it. And and all the advertising that comes our way is about glory. Get some glory. Get this thing. Get that thing. Be higher up. Be more impressive. Glory, 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 glory. And there's only one to whom it belongs. And I love when I hear Joe's booming bass voice go, glory, because he's giving it to God. And our focus on flesh, our focus on on how other people are and what they act like, and our focus on whether they're high or low, whether they're attractive to us or not, whether we're attractive to them, all those things of glory, they're nothing. And it gets in the way of fervent love for one another. All of it's passing. All of it's like that. (laughs) Uh, When I was was sick in January, like I couldn't stop coughing. I coughed so hard I hurt myself, my rib. And, And then I sneezed yesterday and I thought I broke my rib, right? It was so painful. And I'm like, I got no glory whatsoever. <laughs> it is gone, right? It, it was going, and it's gone. Like, I can't, it's hard to put my socks on, you know? And, and then this will make it harder over time to put my socks on. There's some of you, you know, that know how that feels. There's no glory. There's no glory, but we spend so much time thinking about it. We spend so much time focused on something that, goes like that. God says, I have something better for you. I have something better than a focus on anybody else's glory and any focus at all on your own glory. And it's a fervent love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to the extent that you focus on those other things, it will impede your ability to go deeper in your relationships with people. <clears throat> if there's glory to be given, it's to him, and he is the one that bestows permanent glory on us. Any permanence of glory comes from God and God alone. We get so caught up in how we feel, how we look, all of those things, and it's passing. And it goes really, really fast. So what's the cure for a divided heart and the focus on flesh and glory? Well, that's in here too. 
Let's bring verse 23 back in. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We find it again in verse 25. We find it in chapter 2, verse 2. We'll find it again in verse 8 as we the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God, which endures forever. The word by which the gospel was preached to you. The pure milk of the word. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word. The living word and the person of Jesus Christ and the written and spoken word of the of God are found in the Bible. How important is it to you? Is that what your focus is on? Jesus, the living word of God, on his word, how much time there, that is where we find his, how we're born of God. That is what lives and abides forever, unlike anything else that we could focus on. Any toy? How many things have you bought that you put out on the curb hoping somebody else would take because you didn't want it anymore? How many things are you going to bring to the swap? Right? Ooh, that's lovely. I hate this thing. Right? The glory faded. Right? The only thing that abides is the Word of God. Lives and abides forever. And so many other things become important to us. And so many other things take our time. So many other things take our attention. It's an honor and a gift to dig deep into God's word. Don't let Satan lie to you that it's burdensome. When indeed all of us have tasted that the Lord is gracious, as it says in verse 3. right? He says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. We want to grow in so many ways, right? I'm going to get me to my exercise class and grow. Uh, You know, I'm going to gain knowledge. I'm going to gain money, right? I'm going to grow, and I'm going to grow, and I'm going to grow. What is it? that actually grows us. Pure milk of the word. Growing thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? I know you have. Do you remember? Do you remember when we were praying this morning, Tom was talking about our rearview mirror. Did we look back in the rearview mirror and see the faithfulness of God? And see the graciousness of God. Why do you think over and over and over again the the history of Israel has gone through? It's written down over and over and over again. It's repeated over and over and over again. What had God done for them? Because it's so easy to forget. And it's so easy to go to other things. God's word and the graciousness of the Lord. These are the things by which we grow. All right, uh, verses uh, 4 through 8, uh, 1 Peter 2. Coming to him as to a living stone, 
rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those... But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. There we find the word again and again and again. So here we are going to dive into uh, what I will offer you as a, another theme to search out. Stones and rocks throughout the Bible. Stones and rocks throughout the Bible. Right? We've talked about light. We've talked about Elijah and Job and Daniel. We've talked about shepherds. You know, If you're looking for themes to search out, rocks and stones is another good one. And we see this throughout Peter's life. This idea of life. Turn to Matthew 16. Verse 18. Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus, after Peter has confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, uh, God, God revealed this to you, Peter. And he goes on in verse 18, and he says, I also say to you that you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So I say to you that you are Peter, Petros, a loose individual stone that is easily moved or thrown. Petros is a loose individual stone that is easily moved or thrown. And on this rock, Petra, bedrock, nation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, Simon, right now, you're a loose stone. You are easily moved. You are easily thrown. And this is the name, this is very interesting to me. His name is Simon. And he takes on this name of being the loose stone, and he keeps it for the rest of his life. When he opens his letter in First Peter, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Not Simon, right? Peter, the loose stone. I think he does it to remember who he is without Jesus. I'm a loose stone, and I'm easily thrown, easily kicked around, easily moved. Without Jesus. What was the bedrock? It was Peter's confession. 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The church's body built on that truth, on believing that word of God. Next in Acts chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Acts chapter 4. And this doesn't incorporate all the places that Jesus talked about stones with Peter. Or in Peter's presence, and we can think about the Sermon on the Mount, right? He who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built on a solid foundation, on the rock and not on the sand. That's not Acts 4. Just keep turning there. Never mind my asides. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have been arrested after healing a man who'd been crippled from birth, and they're speaking to the crowd. uh, And (laughs) Go back and read uh, uh, chapter 3 and the sermon that Peter gives to the crowd. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But the uh, rulers come on the scene and they're like, you're going to jail. We don't want you doing this anymore. We don't want you saying these things. They put him in jail, <clears throat> and then they're brought before the entire Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the Jews, the next day. It says, starting in verse 7, When they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we, I will do another aside, and I want you to listen, right? Anybody that says to you, there's many ways to God, that's in direct opposition to what Jesus said about himself. And he didn't say it because he doesn't like them. And he didn't say it because he's mad at them for following something else. He said it to be clear that they would know if you want to get to God and anybody that wants to get to God, God will reveal himself to. He says it over and over and over again. There, the salvation is in no other. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Is preaching, Peter, Petros, that little loose stone. He says there's a chief cornerstone, and you reject him into everything that you need. He had heard Jesus say these words to the religious leaders in Matthew 21. If you want to turn there. Matthew 21, this is the day after he had driven out the money changers from the temple. He returned the next day, and the religious leaders come and they say, by what authority do you do these things? He replied with a question, they, he replied with a question about John's baptism. He said, is that from God or from men? 
they said, mm, if we answer this one way, we're in trouble. If we answer it another way, we're in trouble. So they wouldn't answer. He said, I'm not going to answer you either. But he tells him two parables instead. One about two sons, one which did the father's will after saying he wouldn't. The other said he would do it and then didn't do the father's will. The second parable is about a vineyard in which the workers refuse to give the owner his crop. And eventually they kill his son, thinking they will take over the vineyard. In verses 42 and 43, he says, it says, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. If you will come to Jesus, he will break you to make you new. If you will refuse him, he will fall on you and you'll be ground to powder and you'll go the way of everything else. You'll go the way of all the other glory seekers that are focused on that and not on 23. It's a psalm of thanksgiving about salvation coming from God. These guys were trying to save themselves. They were trying to retain control. They reject the one that would have held them in place. The capstone keeps the whole building in place. And they said, we don't want you. We don't want you to keep our lives in place. We want to keep our own lives in place. And they would not cede control over to Jesus. They would not put themselves under his authority. And he says to them, i go back and grab it now. He says, <clears throat> therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. They reject the one that would have held them in place, hoping for a little bit now and sacrificing the kingdom for that. What are you sacrificing the kingdom for? What are you trying to hold on to? What are you saying? I want that more than I want Jesus. So this is, I don't have any one of you in mind. I have us in mind of all this. But God has a kingdom for it. He has something. And if we won't let Jesus be the stone that he is, in our lives, we're going to miss it. We're not going to grasp onto it. I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about living miserably. He doesn't want you to live miserably. 30 years after Peter had been given this new name by Jesus, and he'd heard these words from Jesus, which he preached to the religious leaders in Acts 4, he's writing to the elect... In First Peter, right? So this is 30 years after the fact. Those elect, including us, who have faith in Jesus today, little Petros, the loose stone, bringing up stones again, because this was a theme that Jesus had put in his life. And he says, listen, 
You've come to him, a living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, and you also, as living stones, are being built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He talks about the living stone. Now, the word here is lithos, not Petra, not Petros, it's lithos. And lithos used as stone is a material or substance that can be used for building. So he's made us into something new. He's made us into something useful. He's taking us out of that loose stone that just gets tossed around. And he's made us into stone that can be built together, a substance that something can be made from. He uses it both about Christ and us as we've taken on Christ's nature by his redemptive work. We're being built into Jesus, and now we, made living stones, have come to him, built into a spiritual house, made into something we are living, zao, stones, lithos, zao lithos. You are zao lithos. How about that? Sounds like a good... uh, Sounds like a, a good, like, dastardly name, Zalithos, but it's a good thing for us. Living stones that he's made us now. <clears throat> One of the main aspects of life is growth. What are we growing into? What are we growing into? We're growing into the bedrock of Jesus Christ, the Petra. We're becoming more like him, and he's living in us, and that... Petra, again, you, you want to just, uh, you can probably think of stones in different places in the Bible. In Daniel, there's a stone, it says, it's cut out not by human hands, and it hits the feet of this great statue that represents all the great empires of the world, and it blasts it to smithereens. And that stone grows to fill the whole earth. Jesus, the Petra, growing to fill the whole earth joining us to him to not be loose stones anymore, but to be joined to him. And then we become a place as he is building us together where the other loose stones can come and find a home. Everybody that doesn't know Jesus, everyone that doesn't believe in him continues to be loose stones, continues to be tossed around a place where they can come and rest and to begin to learn where rest is found, where real rest is found. We provide others a glimpse of what he has for them, that they may glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter writes about that later in verse 12. We're not going to get there today, but it's an amazing thing that happens from them. So Peter here... When he goes to, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. So this is verses 6 through 8. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he's precious, but those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He quotes from different places 
in Isaiah, two different places in Isaiah. Paul quotes from the same two places in Romans chapter 9. Uh, in Romans chapter 9, and it's Isaiah 28, 16, and 8, 14. We're not going to go to 8 today, but we are going to go to Isaiah 28. Interestingly, Isaiah 28 is full of references to fading flowers, the glorious beauty of the unbeliever, the place that takes so much of our focus that God says, let it go your career, all the things that you would take glory in, all the things that you want to accede to the pinnacle of, God says, I have no problem with you being those things, but be careful when you're chasing. Chase after me. Make me first. And all these things will be given to you. And you won't even care anymore about them being given to you. That's the problem with us right now. We care so much about it. And it crowds everything else out. And he wants to give us these things. So Isaiah 28, full of references to that. The pride of people that causes them to reject their Savior, their precious cornerstone. Listen to what God says to the people through Isaiah. And I'm going to read it from the New International Version because I think it says it better, or more in the New King James. 28, verses 11 through 13. God says, very well then. Right, you can just, you can imagine this conversation. People have decided to be one way, and God says, very well then. With foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. And this is the place of repose. But they would not listen. So then the word of the Lord, do that. A rule for this. A rule for that. A little here, a little there. So that as they go, They will fall backward. They will be injured and snared and captured. For the unbeliever, God's word is reduced to rules. Do this, do that. A rule for this, a rule for that. And we've all felt that. We've all had that in our lives where we felt like, oh, I'm not doing the rules. That's not what his word is for us. It's the living stone. It's relationship. It's rest, he says. This is the place of repose, but you wouldn't listen. Jesus said, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you, but you wouldn't have it. But we have it. Or are we after some other glory? Do we enjoy our loosed stonedness? Rolling around wherever we want. Uh, verse 7 of 1 Peter 2, he says, To you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, he becomes the cornerstone instead of a savior that lifts up. Verses 6 and 7 of 1 Peter 2 connect belief with obedience. 
and you see this this interplay of belief and obedience, belief and obedience. And so often we get stuck on one or the other. I'm just believing right now. I'm not doing. I will I will go out on a limb to say that if you don't start with belief and really digging into God, your obedience will be short-lived. Maybe none at all, but it'll be short-lived. This is about really believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Because if you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then it changes everything. Everything that you're after, everything that you put stock in, everything that's worthy or worthwhile to you becomes less. Uh, he who dies with the most toys still dies. He doesn't win, right? Everything changes when we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and we want to obey the one who gave his life for us. We see this interplay between belief and obedience. So what needs to grow? Our belief. What grows our belief? The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. Please dig in. It's great to listen to other people. Do that too. If you're not going to do anything... Listen to other people's sermons. But please dig in yourself too, that your belief may grow. That you, instead of becoming a place that says, I'm not going to, I don't believe that this is the place of repose. Instead of believing someone that would not listen, that you will listen to God. So that it doesn't become for you a rule for this and a rule for that. It doesn't become for you, do this and do that. It becomes your glory. It becomes an honor to serve God. Who's doing the building, right? He says that we are being built up a spiritual house. Who's doing the building? God. Who's shaping you, fellow living stone, to fit in exactly where he wants you? God, what does he use? Whatever he chooses. (laughs) Sometimes we would not choose other people to cause us to fit together. There's a lot of things we would not choose for God to use to fashion us. And he does it anyway because he's God, and this isn't a blithe saying, he does know what's best. He does know what works, and we can go along willingly. (laughs) We're kicking and screaming, right? Um, So you've got us, you know, little stones, little, little things that are easily thrown, and you've got Jesus, the bedrock. In nature, what would it take to join a stone back to the bedrock? That's a good question, right, Lisa? She's thinking about it. What would it take... Incredible heat, incredible pressure to take a loose stone and put it back into the bedrock. 
force is so great it would alter the substance that's being put back in. You're being altered, and it's good. Sometimes we want to hold on, right? Um, if, if you become a crazy person that believes in Jesus, I'll talk to you, I promise. Don't worry about it. What it means we get altered, and all the alteration is good. And all the alteration makes us more and more foreign to this place where we are now. Because we're coming back to Jesus. I think um, the Lord is actually more gentle with us than nature would dictate. But it's no small amount of work to rejoin a piece of rock that's been broken off into the bedrock. We see this in another example used in the Bible. Wild olive branches grafted back in. Why? That we would be nourished and that we would produce fruit. So, you know, if the example of rock doesn't turn you on, right, because, oh, now I'm just a piece of a bigger rock. Well, remember, it's living stones. Not like the old stuff. It's usable. God saved us to join us to himself, not so our lives here would become temporarily better. He has much better and much bigger plans for us than that. Uh, Friday was St. Pat and the Young Adults Group, and in his confession, which I can't encourage you enough to read, uh, so, you know, shame on me, or once again, I'll reveal my stupidity and weakness to you guys. Um, I didn't even know St. Patrick was, like, actually real. Like, I thought he might be a myth. Like, I never read anything about him. You know, I think about the Lucky Charms guy. (laughs) You know, and, like, snakes, like... What's that all about? Uh, But he was a real man. And in his confession, uh, which I I really, really encourage you to read, I think it's wonderful. He says, in part of it, he says, so I am, first of all, administering, the end of his life is probably around 460 AD. So I am, first of all, a simple country person, a refugee and unlearned. I do not know how to provide for the future. But this I know for certain, that before I was brought low, I was like a stone lying deep in the mud. I was like a stone lying deep in the mud. Then he who is powerful came and in his mercy pulled me out and lifted me up and placed me on the very top of the wall. This is why I must shout aloud and return to the Lord for such great good deeds of his, here and now and forever, which the human mind cannot measure. Someone there mentioned that if he was a stone lying deep in the mud, he was hidden. And then my wife Mary said, somebody must have been looking for him. That's the case for each of us and for all those who don't know him yet. He found you and is doing a mighty work. He has taken you, loose stone, and joined you back to the bedrock. And he has made you believe him so that you can obey him. Let's pray.